Are you a big picture planner, always looking down the road, or are you a task-oriented, get-the-things-done kind of person? Usually you're one or the other. Yeah, usually you are. Yep. But the, honestly, it takes both for any organization to be run effectively. And yep. fortunately here at the bridge, we do have both on staff. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely more of the big picture planner thinking down the road. Yep. I'm both because I'm pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say Brian is definitely the, you know, our XP is definitely yeah. the get it done. These are the tasks. We got to get these things done. Yeah. And uh yeah, um, I honestly don't know what I am, to be honest with you. Yeah, you've become, uh, you've become, you used to be very much a task oriented. You become more and more of the planner. Bigger. That's what I've yeah. observed anyway. Sure. Yeah, that's true. So let's uh, let's dive into yep. verse 37. We're halfway yeah. into chapter and By 41. the way, you're listening to Between the Lines. Oh, yeah, I guess that, that yeah. And yeah. You, you probably don't know who we are, so I'm uh, Scott. And I'm Junior. Who's reading first today? I think uh, uh, me. Yes, you are. And it's starting in verse 37 right. today of Genesis chapter 41. Genesis 41, starting verse in verse 37. 37. And so far we had, uh, Joseph had interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and said you should find some sharp, intelligent man to oversee yeah. this project. And so Joseph leveraged the guy. situation. Yep. All right, so verse 37. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Again, that's because Joseph, in his explanation, kept pointing to God. So yeah. he didn't, even though he was with a pagan Pharaoh with all kinds of power, he was not shy about saying, This is where any success that I will ever have, this is where it comes from. He was very quick to point out that yeah. God is my rock. It's an older term, but some people use the term, you caption conversations for Christ, mm-hmm. is how. Um, and it is kind of a beautiful way to do that. Somebody who can do that in life of just kind of steering it, not in a weird way, because some people can be very weird about it. But Joseph's not weird here. He's no, just, just giving credit to yep. to who made him and and whose plan this was. And so, not only did Pharaoh say, "Can you find anybody that's as intelligent?" but who is so is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. That was obvious to Pharaoh. Is it obvious to your boss? Yeah. Is it obvious to your coworkers, to your family? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all of my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than yours. Wow. Most powerful nation in that part of the world and perhaps worldwide at that time. And Joseph's number two, all of a sudden, boom, from prison to number two. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. Again, another big deal. That may not mean a lot to us, but any time a direct order was given to anybody, they had to prove that it came from the person of authority by the signet ring that was stamped in wax. And now, Dad, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I have read people um, speculate that in, in a way Joseph symbolizes Jesus here. Mm-hmm. Because you have uh, Jesus who was arrested and he was uh, convicted even though he was completely innocent and and yet he is now elevated and you have him speaking on behalf. He is God and now you have Joseph here as Pharaoh and Jesus saves us. Joseph's about to save the land. Yeah. So there are a lot of similarities oh, so between m- Joseph yeah, and I Jesus. Yeah, I think so many things that do point to that he, where he becomes yeah. what we would call a type of Christ, an yeah. Old Testament type of Christ. Yeah. Of the coming Christ. I mean, Joseph is the only person besides Jesus and John the Baptist that nothing negative is said about him. Uh, Daniel, too, right? Or am I wrong on Daniel? Um, I think you may be correct. I'm trying to think. 
I remember you telling me that when yeah. I was little because okay. you named my middle name Daniel. You said okay. he's one of the few who yeah scriptures are not very sin. many, not very yeah. many. Yeah. And but Joseph is one of those, and and yeah. definitely uh, he is. You know, he's in he's in prison totally innocently, and yet was convicted of a crime that he wasn't guilty of. But in the same way, Jesus, yeah. So you yeah. you got that exactly right. All right, so let's continue on then. Uh, he gave him a signet ring, and uh, he dressed him in fine linen, clothing, and hung a gold chain around his neck, verse 43. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down! So Joseph, so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Whoa. And Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zephanath Paniah. He also gave him a wife whose name was Asenath, and she was the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. So he's married now to a, a pagan priest's daughter. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. When Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. As predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. This is a huge undertaking here, right? Yep. This is what we're talking about. There's the planning and the execution. Yeah. And it's a big deal. To, I mean, you've got to put together a pretty highly organized system to yeah. be able to collect all of these crops from all of these farmers who are independent, individual farmers, and yeah. to be able to collect a certain amount. And this is nationally. This isn't like, oh, just around, you know, the capital city. This is nationally. In fact, archaeologists have found these, what they believe mm -hmm. are these storehouses. And it's not just storehouses. They even have um, technology that help drain the grain quickly. You have all these cubicles for all of these different people who are selling the grain. It's, it's a huge, huge undertaking. Yeah, and if you look at what was... Yeah, you know, what was found there, and in fact, we even think possibly the remnants of Joseph's palace, yeah. where he lived and where he brought his brothers out eventually. Uh, those, those are some pretty cool. That's some good good insight that we get from archaeology. But yeah, this to be able to, Egypt covered a lot of land, and to yeah. be able to come up with a system to collect that much grain and to store it yeah. without losing any of it, right? To be able to make it available for seven full years, I mean, that was huge. It took yeah. a tremendous amount of organization. Budgeting, mm -hmm. you know, because you could have gotten rid of all the grain in the first year. <laughs> well, and then relationships that yeah. you've got to build, the networking that yeah. you've got to build among the farmers. Yeah. And for them to get them to cooperate, to be able to see yeah. the vision behind all of this and what this Extremely is going to do for Extremely high-capacity mm -hmm. leadership is what we're seeing here. Yes, uh, so uh, he piled up large amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Joseph named the older one Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all of my troubles and everyone in my fa father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief, With which actually Ephraim and Manasseh actually become part of the 12 tribes, even though they're individual sons of Joseph. Uh, another one of the sons was cut out, and then Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of Joseph, were, in, were then included. Uh, this, that takes place later on. But verse 53, at last the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. 
So with a severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. And then chapter 42 is what we're going to pick up next week, and uh, that'll be fascinating. No, it'll be tomorrow we'll pick Our, that up. Yes, tomorrow. I'm sorry. Friday, Today yeah. is Thursday. Yep. yep. So we got tomorrow yet? Yep. And uh, we'll right. pick that up. That's right. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 9 is the proverb that we want to focus on. And it says, The life of the godly is full of light and joy, but the light of the wicked will be snuffed out. Mm. I think we've all seen that. There are families, you know, that we see that have just live godly lives, Maybe not extravagant or crazy wealthy or doing huge things, but they're just a happy family with a good culture. And then yet you do see families who seemingly have it all, but they just can never be happy. Mm -hmm. Their house is full of strife because they are not godly. You know, I I found an interesting comparison that was done between uh, the Vanderbilt family and the Adams family. Adams family sounds like the 60s (laughs) sitcom. But the John Adams offspring. And it, it is fascinating because... John Adams, who had become president of the United States, but he was a devout Christian, was sold out and uh, really loved God. A, a studious person when it came to scripture, knew it inside and out. And the Vander, uh, I forget uh, the old man Vandermilt, what his first name was, but the, the most wealthy, the, the wealthiest man in, in the world at his time. Yeah. And here in America, made his money uh, off of the early uh, budding railroad system. But then when you look at the the end result, three generations later, the Vanderbilts had no more money. There, yeah. there wasn't a millionaire in the bunch. But but uh, up till 10 generations after John Adams, you still had flourishing, both in secular ways, but especially in spiritual ways. The number of godly men and women, people in full-time Christian ministry and and uh, missionaries and all that is pretty astounding yeah. because that light does continue on and that's the most important kind of light. It does, absolutely. So live a life, live a godly day today and care about that light today. Bring joy to your workplace, bring joy to your home because that matters a lot. And tomorrow's Friday, so we'll rejoice in that. That's right. we get there. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.